blunt with Montel. And what's Let's Be Blunt with Montel? It's a conversation that I think this whole country needs to have when it comes to something called medical marijuana. And yes, that's what we're talking about. And we're going to be really blunt about it. And today I am so blessed and lucky to have my friend. Um, I want to say my mentor, though I came before. No, but no, you're my mentor. <laughs> Let's get close. <laughs> my close friend, Dr. Mehmet Oz here. Mehmet, thank you so much, sir, for I, participating. I, I, I was just coming into a good friend that you look better today than when I met you, which makes me a little jealous. <laughs> but actually, it's a real tribute, I think, to what you've been saying about medical marijuana and your multiple sclerosis. And as a physician, I, when I first met you, I mean, you were really uh, in having a difficult time. I was still doing the Oprah show. So this yes, was probably 12, 13 years ago. Yep. And Oprah sent me down to spend time with you um, in, uh, in, in, where you were living back then. And sure. I remember we were having a difficult time. You were trying to fish. And you know, it, was, it was challenging getting on a boat, getting off a boat. Yes, sir. You're fantastic now. I have literally, I think one of the things that people do not understand, this is something I'm so glad that we're, we're talking because, you know, every day someone walks up to me and will say something to me about medical marijuana and then I realize the breadth of what they don't know. Yeah. You know, people in this country don't even understand the fact that, you know, the cannabinoids that we've been talking about and a lot of people have talked about in the last three years, everybody heard, has heard these terms, THC, CBD, mm-hmm. the United States government has had a patent on CBD for now almost 14 years. Yeah. And the patent, just in case you want to look it up yourselves, you can. It's, it's patent number, the U.S. patent 6630507. And in that patent, in the places where it says in is a little, little category in, or a little section in patents that's called the abstract, where they have to prove out the efficaciousness of their claims, right. yep. the U.S. government itself says... That I'm going to read it to you. Cannabinoids have been found to have antioxidant properties unrelated to MDNA receptors and antagonism. This newfound property makes cannabinoids useful for the in the treatment of things like prophylaxis and a wide range of oxidative associated diseases such as ischemic, age-related. Inflammatory and autoimmune diseases. This is what our U.S. government filed for itself about 14 years ago to tell you that they believed in cannabis, cannabinoids, and the fact that they work. They wanted to make sure they owned this before anybody got on a green wagon. And at the same time, you know, I don't know if you noticed, if you saw last week that the FDA held a public conference on cannabis. And basically, if you listen to a lot of the comments, they said, we understand it works. That's not the problem. Our problem is the fact that we don't know what people are actually getting. We don't know whether or not some of the people that are trying to sell products out there are selling products with truth in it. And I know you did, what, a couple weeks ago, or you did a uh, did a show where you literally brought in some products, some CBD products, 13, and had them tested, right? Well, after, we, after some discussions with you, and I was aware of how much fraud there was in the mm-hmm. space, we got 13 nationally available products from the East Coast and West Coast, and CBD products. Yes. We're not looking at medical marijuana. Right. And of the 13, 10 of them weren't what they said they were. Five had nothing in them. Literally just sawdust. So the guy, the people selling it, 
truly were trying to f- fake you out. Yep. And five of them had levels that were not what they said they were. Right. You know, usually much, much less because it's expensive. So you put less in there, you make more money. And it's reprehensible. But yes. it's, here's the problem, Montel. It's going to destroy the industry. Absolutely. You're going to see that folks are going to try the fake stuff, not get benefits. Correct. They're going to say, Montel's a liar. It didn't work. I tried Correct. it. You know, he said it might help for my anxiety. Didn't it, It's not going to help everybody. Right. Even if it's the right stuff, it's not going to help everybody. Correct. But if you're not getting anything, it's not going to work at all. It's only placebo. And that's only one third of the time. So we have a, a major crisis. But can I go back to something you said earlier? Sure. I, I, I pulled this up because I was reading this great article about the history of marijuana. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read this to everybody. So they all clear on it. It says, in, in 19, uh, sorry, uh, so this is 1929, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they asked the American Medical Association, they surveyed them. And tw- 29 out of 30 disagreed with claims about the dangers of cannabis. Right. This is 1929. Yeah. This is not a group of people that were particularly uh, you know, aware and interested in, mar- in marijuana. It was ubiquitously used. Mm-hmm. Vast majority of doctors said it wasn't a problem. Uh, one of the ones said the proposals to outlaw it were, quote, absolute rot. Correct. But the hysteria that Anstinger, that we talked about earlier, uh, helped stir up work politically. In 1937, Congress passed the Marijuana Tax Act. However, that made it expensive, all those things. Nixon and scientists of his era disagreed with him as well, right? Mm -hmm. Nixon was the one who signed the Controlled Substances Act in 1970. So a plant that had been used medicinally for thousands of years was driven underground in 1970. And, And if people really started doing a little digging on their own, they understand that back in 1937, this was done. You know, Anslinger was funded by William Randolph Hearst and DuPont. And why? Let's understand cannabis for a second and let's understand hemp. You know, most people don't know that the entire revolutionary army was clothed in hemp fiber. Our North and South during the Civil War, the uniforms used were hemp fiber. Every tent Every sail, every rope used in the U.S. Navy was made from hemp. As a matter of fact, during the World War II, we passed a National Hemp Act to force farmers to grow more hemp because we didn't have enough of ropes on ships. Okay, you know what the word canvas mm-hmm. comes from? Cannabis. Yes. So <laughs> it's amazing. So I mean, for us to now, and if you go back, there's there supposedly is some writing in the I Ching back five thousand years ago, where Chinese looked at cannabis and used it as a medicinal agent. Now we know for a fact, in the last five thousand years, not one person on this planet has died from a marijuana overdose. Not one. We also know from the fact that back in you know, the turn of the century, 1890s, 2001, 2010, I'm sorry, 1901 to 1910, there were probably some 60, 70 different tinctures out there across the country with cannabis as the primary component. You know, right now, Israel just decriminalized and had 12 years ago made cannabis a geriatric drug. At age 70, you could roll into a hospital, show them your ID, and you can get your bag of marijuana. And if you go and take a look at the people who are using it in Israel, you know, as we become, you know, older, we are on tons and tons of medication that they're not taking in Israel because people have used cannabis instead to meet some of the needs they have. So, I mean, the discussion about cannabis is one that really needs to be had bluntly. And honestly, and I'm glad you you talked about the fact that there is so many 
misleading or so many fake products out here. I just recently, there was an article printed in Leafly magazine that says how Monto Williams took his stolen CBD brand back. It's a fantastic article. Must read, by the way. I think for anyone who's listening to, we're going to get the blunt information here. I was so upset. I mean, my name gets used all the time. Yes. We've done talked about this, but I'm not selling the products. I right. don't, I'm not in the business, so I'm not having a business driven out of business. You make a really high quality you license your name, yes, got sir. reputable people making the right kind of stuff. And sure. these bozos were taking your name, angers me, and uh, selling fake stuff, which, of course, sullies your name, hurts your business. Yes. And this is the part that gets me. There's no criminal confounding elements. I, I don't understand how you can, how law enforcement allows us to go without penalty. When you say fake stuff, we found some of the product that they were selling online. I sent it out to a third party testing organization and all it had was hemp oil, no CBD in it at all. And I've worked really, really hard. Now, you know, part of that, I make sure everybody knows, complete disclosure, I do have products in the marketplace that are marijuana and CBD products. And why? I got to be honest with you. When we did the first show that we did, what, three and a half years ago, which I think literally a lot of people like to give someone else credit for changing the perception of cannabis. It was your and my show that we did on your show that literally changed the needle nationally from below 50% of people who supported medical marijuana to after the third airing of your show. I think National Post showed that over 70% of people in this country started supporting medical marijuana. It's because of the information that we gave out on that very first show that you did on this. Thank you for saying that. But without you bringing it to my attention, it wouldn't have happened. But the, but the good news is that everyone's sort of buying into it. The challenge is the hypocrisy. Correct. That's, that's crazy hesitation. And we've spoken to the DEA, to FDA. And, you know, there's a, these are some good people oftentimes, but who wants to go first? Right. The DEA says, well, we don't want to tread on the FDA and we don't want to get fired because politicians might not, might not like the fact they're going soft on drugs. That's right. how it's perceived. And it's not really going soft on drugs. We need to back up and have the conversation, the blunt one from the beginning. You go back to post-Civil War. After our, our Civil War, you know, we had probably more amputees walking around in this country than we even have today from our Persian Gulf War. The treatment of a flesh wound was amputation. Correct. Correct. And so, you know, I mean, you also have to recognize the fact that I'm going to say it, and it's kind of foul, but, you know, people were still, you know, defecating and wiping themselves with leaves, okay? It was cold outside. We didn't have heater, central heating. You didn't have air conditioning. You know, uh, majority of, of the water you drank made you sick. So people were looking for something to ease some of those hundreds of different kinds of ailments that they had. And that's where cannabis just kind of always was there and was always something that people relied on as that go-to backup holistic medication. So what could the DEA or what could, you know, the FDA do right now? They could probably, if they just decided that CBD, which is the non-psychotropic cannabinoid. And one of the things that I know I've talked to you about a lot, and I hope we can do a show this year about the fact that people need to understand that the marijuana plant and the hemp plant has well over 400 chemicals in it that are chemicals that we have not even begun to research and study and understand. We spent probably on order of, you know, somewhere around $60 million funding research in Israel through Dr. Mashulam, who is a doctor who discovered CBD and THC and also our endocannabinoid system. We funded that research there. And we found out along the way that 
we have, what do you want to call it? I call it a secondary nervous system, the yeah. endocannabinoid system, yeah. but we have a secondary nervous system. That's like, like, part like, of our genetic makeup. Like opiates work through pathways and they're, they're, and they're endorphin pathways. That yes. Somehow pot plants, as part of protecting themselves, develop very important ways of influencing insects, other animals, rodents, and us. Yes. And it's, they're ancient. There's an entourage effect, which you taught me about, Correct. where you, you can't just take one little bit. It's Correct. how they work together. But this... Ancient pathway, which is how we often find pr- prominent medications by searching these pathways yeah, that were sure. already built to help us or hurt us, uh, and we've ignored it. I mean, why would you do that? Why would you ignore something? Forget about whether it works or not. Right. Why would you ignore learning more about something so profoundly important as the endocannabinoid pathway in the body? Correct. You wouldn't block someone from learning about how the brain works. Right. And in, in this way, if, if the FDA were to step up right now and just say CBD was generally accepted safe— that's all we have to do. Generally accepted as safe. That would allow it to be used in a myriad of different ways. And we know for a fact, if we found one person who had OD'd on CBD and died, then we need to be very careful. But you can't find that. See, I think eventually the FDA is going to grant the grass status, generally recognized mm-hmm. as safe and effective, or just safe. That's not effective, just safe. Mm-hmm. But the bigger thing that's going to hurt the industry, Montel, is fraudulent products, like yes. the kinds they were using your name. and. I, I don't. Let me ask you this: It's your podcast, but I'll ask you this. Sure. Why doesn't the industry say this is our standard? The big boys who try to do the right thing in order to be qualified. This is USA standard CBD. It's got to have this dose. You know, don't sell doses that couldn't possibly work. Right. Um, and we're going to validate. This is a stamp saying that you actually have thirty milligrams or sixty, whatever you promise is in there is mm-hmm. in there. I would think if it's not stamped, no one buy it. And then the industry controls it themselves. Because if the industry doesn't do it, the US government's gonna try to do it. It doesn't work so well. Let me tell you, when you ask that question, and you've asked that question to me a couple of times in the last couple of months, I want to sure everybody knows that Nemin and I get an opportunity to sit down together at different events and talk. And you you brought this up to me about two months ago. And I have since that conversation literally been on the road almost every day trying to identify other people in this industry that have like mine. And I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm not going to make the announcement today, but I'm going to tell you that there's some very interesting things happening in my world. And I am trying my best over the course of the next couple of months to actually team up with a couple of really legitimate and uh, very responsible universities that are thinking about trying to do some things in the double bond study good, area good, good. and set some standards. I mean, I'm literally, you know, I, I, it's just so people at, at home understand the product that I have right now that's in the marketplace is, is uh, uh, under my company name, which is Lenative Scientific, and our product is called Montel. And I've reached out to one of the, I think, one of the best manufacturers of cannabis, cannabis in the country, and I'm the formulator. Mm-hmm. And I have them formulate our product to my standard. Now, what does that mean? That means that this product is tested in laboratories that are ISO certified, mm-hmm. that are certified laboratories. And But that's not enough. I'm trying right now to actually certify the procedure by which it's even tested. So, you know, our product that's in the market right now is tested at a feedstock level. We're tested in the middle of the processing level, and I'm tested again after it's been formulated into a product that I want to put my name on. Mm. So I make sure that what you're getting is zero parts per billion, A, manufactured with standards that, 
you know, don't include any deleterious kinds of solvents to extract the product. And then, you know, there's, there is a lot of, I would say, let's say, difference in the way people extract their products. I'm using, for mine, something called supercritical CO2 extraction and also cryoethanol, which leaves no residual uh, uh, solvent behind, and have just now been introduced to a technology that is almost holistic because it uh, uh, is 100% all natural in its processing. And so hopefully within the next month or so, I may form a partnership with a new company that we're going to try to actually set some standards in this industry and get some states to agree that the standards are the standards that everyone else should use. And then hopefully we'll be able to spread this out across the country. Good. It'd be better for all of us. Without a doubt. And I think that's what really has to happen. I mean, you you said it itself. This industry needs to police itself. I'm speaking across the country. And, you know, I've I've spoken within the last couple of months. I I was in Canada a couple of times speaking in Canada. I'm speaking in Southern California uh, at the end of August. Um, And matter of fact, today I have an op-ed piece in the the Newsday in New York. Uh, The article that just came out in Leafly talking about what I've done you know, as far as, you know, trying to ensure that people can't step fraudulently on top of you and sell some product. And, you know, what was my reasoning for actually filing a lawsuit? I got phone calls. I got emails from patients out across the country who rely upon me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Montana, I don't know. I got this stuff. And it hasn't done anything. You're and it's cheating like, me. I was like, what? I'm not cheating you, dude. What are you talking about? You, you got this? <laughs> and he said, no, I got this product that I saw online and I went after him. And what really has to start happening, I mean, and, and I tell you, for all of us who are treated this way, I think the more and more we sue, the more and more the courts are saying, okay, we have people who care enough about their brand to step up to the plate and put their money where their mouth is. And, I mean, it cost me a lot to get this done. And, you know, well, we, we settled. But I, it wasn't about the settlement, and the settlement didn't recoup what I had to pay to get it done. That's the problem. The problem, yeah. And that's why I think that alerting people – that they're being taken advantage of yep. is the first step. But the second step is to give them things that they can crutch on to avoid being taken care of, which is why a, a national standard Correct. that the industry supports is valuable because then they can't sell fake Montel stuff. Right. A, the fake Montel stuff won't – if they're going to cheat you out of your name, they're definitely going to cheat me as a customer. Correct. Buying the stuff. Correct. So we'll meet the standards anyway. And then you know what to look for because right now we don't want – there's a USDA stamp on meat, right? And right. the reason for that is – Sinclair Lewis and others 110 years ago wrote articles about the meat industry, and the meat industry shaped up. They policed themselves. Right. And then the U.S. government came in and said, well, that's not good enough. We're going to do it for you. And then they created their whole bureaucracy. Right. Not a, thank goodness at this point, but I, you know, we could have the same thing in cannabis. Why would you want that? Yeah, why wouldn't you want that? And you know, it's because, again, this has been one of these things that has multiple levels of, of, of stopping points. You know, It's a social issue. Behind this, you've got people who feel as if, you know, they should be able to just do whatever they want, you know, go in their backyard and pull up whatever you want. Well, you know, we stopped you from going to your backyard and taking willow bark and boiling it in your kitchen because we found out that there were a lot of people dropping dead in their kitchens across America. And that's when we set a standard on aspirin. Okay. So there's no reason why we don't do the same thing when it comes to cannabis. So as a last comment, it's your podcast, but he's he's coming on mine in a second, which is why I'm going to make sure I I keep him on his schedule because I love talking to you. But I really do want you making a documentary on the history of how we got here. I don't think most people have any idea that 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 marijuana was a medicinally accepted 
tool that was widely appreciated Absolutely. into the 1930s. And there's a lot of other issues, which you can speak to better sure. than me, because they had race. Race was an element Correct. to it. Race was a big element of it, and, 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 and continues to be today. Yeah, but for sure, I mean, overtly, yes. was, was a part of the process in the 30s. I think as a nation, we can do better. Absolutely. As a doctor, the reason I care about it is I think we have people who we can help, uh, and we shouldn't have them having to boil the willow bark on the in the back basement Correct. oven by themselves. This should be legal, safe, widely available, if appropriate. Yes. And I know we differ a little bit on recreational marijuana. I'm very concerned about the effect on young people's minds. Yes, but we are completely aligned, and I think most doctors in the country are. So, Well, you know, one of the things you said earlier, what people have to do, understand, I want you listening to me today, please, when, that's the reason why we're being blunt. Understand this. Marijuana does not work for everyone. Period. Half the drugs in this country don't work for more than 33% of the people. You can get FDA approval for 30%, 30% efficacy. So it's not going to work for everyone. But for that 30% that it does work for, we should be compassionate enough to say it's okay. And, you know, I got to tell you, you're, you're right. I, I, for the longest time, uh, was one who fought hard against recreational use or adult use. I came around in the last couple of years because I realized that, you know, in some areas of this country where they weren't willing to pass medical laws, they allowed recreation. And a lot of the people who were going in purchasing recreationally are going in for an underlying medical reason anyway. Exactly. That's okay. Yes. I mean, that, that's like if your anxiety mm-hmm. is a common problem. Yes. Sometimes medical marijuana is a good way to doing it. Yes. I, my concern is that there are some people who think I can only get to solutions through medical marijuana. No. And that's especially true for young folks. I've seen it myself. I'm sure you have sure. as well. And it does affect the young minds in, in, yes, in, a, in, a, in a concerning way because the CBD itself is, is, a, is a solve for the THC, but the modern variants that are being sold Correct. are so highly dominated by the THC element. Correct. There's nothing to counteract that, and that does affect brains, growing brains. And we got to remember, back in the 60s here in the United States of America and the 70s, American growers tried their best to grow CBD out of the plant. Ooh. We were the reason. All of Humboldt County, all of the Western, all the growers that were growing back then, if you go back in the middle, middle 60s, that's when we started increasing the THC levels from about 3 to 5%. Why to now twenty percent. Hmm? Why is that? Because everybody thought that, and this is something that I'm, I'm going to say here again, being very blunt. But people think that the higher the THC level, the higher your high. Listen to me, that's bull crap. Hmm. Your body has CB1 and CB2 connectors or or connect, except receptors. Right. Those CB1 receptors are the ones that actually receive the THC. They modulate the level of THC that comes into your brain. You can't force it to go to 60 miles an hour when all it has a governor on it for 20. So the extra THC you have in your body, all you're doing is urinating that out. And you're it's storing your fat so that— Or it you makes know, you paranoid. Or, or it makes it you does, paranoid. Or it does Correct. damage to you. Correct. So we're not going to get any higher. You're not. As much as you think you are, stop fooling yourself. You may think, oh, man, I was really blasted last night. Were you really blasted last night? You were probably just maybe you didn't eat enough. <laughs> and maybe you didn't have enough water in your body. So, therefore, it affected you a little bit more, but you weren't any higher than you were three days before.
Are you dealing with best life burnout, constantly striving for more, and quite frankly, over it? Maybe you just want more joy, peace, and laughter in your life now. Well, then let's go. Welcome to your new favorite podcast, Hot Happy Mess, hosted by me, your girl, Zuri Hall. We are celebrating our magic in the middle of life's messes. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Listen to the Hot Happy Mess podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.